0: Into the five left hash marks 10 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's secretariat at the Belmont. Down the sprints they come. No one will catch him. It is a touchdown. And here's the snap. Stanford, tight pocket. Hit as he throws left side. Yes! Yes! It's yes! Douglas right sidelines. Douglas to the house. High stepping. Touchdown. This is the Quicksilence Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Quicksilence Podcast at Game On Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter slash X at Jason Perrone. You can find Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. Happy Victory Monday to everybody. Packers get back in the win column. They get a 20-3 win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday at Lambeau Field and improved 3-5. and five stopping a four-game losing streak that encompassed many weeks, over a month, long time. Packers haven't won since week three against the Saints, and they get back in the win column with the victory over the Rams, who were without Matthew Stafford. And instead, Brett Ripon quarterbacked the Rams in their attempt to take down the Packers, but they were not able to do so. With the win, Matt LaFleur becomes the second fastest in Packers history, second fastest head coach to 50 wins second only to Vince Lombardi, and Green Bay avoids what could end up being a quite a long skid because they've got some tough games coming up after this week. So, again, mentioned Brett ripping in for Matt Stafford, and we get off to the usual slow start that we're used to seeing. Both teams are kind of lethargic. There wasn't much going on. In fact, there was no scoring at all in the first quarter of this game, but the Packers at the end of the first quarter ended up with the ball. They were driving. They were close. They were knocking on the door. The quarter ended. I was kind of hoping they would like try to run one last play and punch it in so they could finally get off of this first quarter schneid. But unfortunately, they weren't able to. But right out of the gate in Q2, the Packers punch it in with one of the first snaps on a Aaron Jones touchdown run. And Jones would be used quite a bit in this game. Matt LaFleur said earlier in the week they were going to try to turn him loose. And of course, all of us said, okay, we'll see it. We'll believe it when we see it. But it turned out he was serious. And he meant what he said as Jones would end up with 20 touches on the day. So Aaron Jones gets in the end zone, gets the, first touchdown, in the uh, first touchdown in the first half for the Packers since week two. And with that touchdown, Aaron Jones moved into seventh place all time in Packers history with his 63rd touchdown. He passed Paul Hornig and Donald Driver. Some pretty good company there to be a part of. So congratulations to Aaron Jones, uh, a historic day in a game where... I know that the game wasn't the prettiest, and it wasn't against the best team in the league, but a win is a win. And a win fixes a lot of things, and I think you'll see in the tone of this show and in the outlook and moving forward, that is impacted week to week when the team wins games versus doesn't win games. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, because I know that there's a faction of the fan base out there that was actually bummed that this team won a game because they're dead set on that this team needs elite draft picks next year. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So the Packers score, they, they're they back on defense. The defense forces a three and out. Uh, the Rams false started. They set themselves back. So the Packers are cooking here, right? And we've got a chance to to do some, some good things here. Packers get the ball back and they're moving and grooving down the field. You get a nice long 21-yard sweep run by Jaden Reed. Josh Myers had a nice block downfield. Myers had a little bit of struggles lately depending on who you talk to. A lot of debate about whether Myers is the long-term center or not. And then there is a flip to A.J. Dillon, who can't get outside yeah, laterally. And I will just say this. It's getting really frustrating seeing the Packers try to stretch, especially with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is not an east-to-west runner. You're not going to get any anything trying to get him outside the tackles and get him to move outside. He is a straight north and south guy. That's very obvious. The Packers kind of shoot themselves in the foot there. They, it sets up a third and long. Uh, Jordan Love tried to hit Christian Watson deep, but he can't get the ball in a good spot. The throw is short. Watson can't get back to it, and it ends up with a punt. Now, at this point, I'm frustrated again because I've talked about this obsession the Packers have with trying to hit Watson deep. And I understand that you've got to keep trying and you've got to try to get this thing going, and eventually it's going to hit. And that can boost a lot of confidence for Love and Christian Watson, the offense, everything like that, too. And as you would see later in the game, that turned out to be the case. But at this point, it's just again. It just it seems like you're constantly beating your head against the wall, over and over and over again. The ball is not put in the put in the right spot. It's underthrown. It just never seems to be there. It's it's not there on time. Watson can't make a play on it. There's all sorts of issues with that type of thing too. And and so on that drive, it was just frustrating. It was just another microcosm of the Packers having trouble getting out. You know, getting out of their own way and not giving their players or playmakers a chance to make a play. So. The Rams would add their only points of the day on the next drive. They they pick up a couple third downs. Rippin gets a run. Um, Henderson, you know, runs runs into his own guy, ends up getting stuffed for a six yard loss. The Packers defense was actually pretty active in this game. I thought they played really well. They gave up less than fifty rushing yards, and even less than that if you take Rippin's nineteen yards that he got on the ground out of the equation. It was a pretty good day for the Packers run defense. Now, Kenny Clark got hurt. He was carted off. He had a shoulder injury. He would not return to this game. So we'll be keeping an eye on his status throughout the week to see if he's going to be available for next week's game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. But the Rams get a big pass to Cooper Cup. Now Cooper Cup was was set to potentially have a really, really nice day. And I think that would have been the case if Matthew Stafford is the quarterback. They obviously have much better connection, chemistry, Stafford, the savvy vet, all that other kind of stuff too. This was really Cup's only real big catch of the day gets the Rams into Packers territory, and they end up getting a 52-yard field goal out of it. Again, this would be their only three points of the entire day, so the Packers would do all of the rest of the scoring. So there's about a minute 40 left. The Packers get the ball back, and Jordan Love gets sacked on second down loses seven yards. This is frustrating to me, and I understand that defenses are going to try to put more pressure on the quarterback in this situation because they want to sack the quarterback. They want to get you out of field goal range. They want to make it hard for you to score. They don't want you to score right? The Packers started out on defense, so they were getting the ball to start the second half. That just, obviously they don't want the double dip here. So they, Love gets a sack. They're out of field goal range. Dobbs gets a catch for a first down. It was confirmed after review. The Packers end up using their last timeout so they can avoid the 10 second runoff, which they ended up needing. There were 15 seconds left. They ended up needing all of those 15 seconds to do what they needed to do. Then you get a Jaden Reed false start, frustrating, another pre-snap penalty. These are just absolute killers. Absolute killers. And earlier in the first half, you had those weird offside penalties on the two fourth down tries against John Runyon. And one was called on Yashin but it was it was John Runyon Jr. that was really lined up offside. And I guess to the letter of the law, he was. But it's not something you see the officials call too often, and especially not on the, the typical tush push that you see the Eagles run. In fact, the Eagles ran it a few times against the Cowboys yesterday, and they weren't called for any of that kind of stuff in that game. So just a really weird couple penalties there in the fall. Again, the the pre-snap penalties, sloppy, just so sloppy. The Packers would finish the day with eight penalties, obviously not not what you want to see. But they get some additional yards. They end up getting a chance to spike the ball. It's a 48-yard field goal try, and Andres Carlson misses wide left. So the Packers have to go into the half, settling with the 7-3 lead. Now, the way the Rams were playing and the way the Packers were playing, it seemed like... You know, if, if you were able to score 10 to 14 points, you were probably going to be in pretty good shape in this game. So to start the third quarter, Keyshawn Nixon with a really nice return, comes out with a nice return, 54 yards. It's negated immediately on the next snap by a fumble by Dontavian Wicks. It was a weird play where he catches the ball, goes to the ground, he's not touched, the ball flips up in the air into the Rams' hands, and it's ruled a fumble Um, even though it didn't seem like Wicks really survived the ground according to the rule of the catch. So again, more officiating weirdness, just all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's it's confirmed, it's a fumble, and the Packers defense has to come back on the field, but they force a punt. They hold the Rams out of scoring range. They're able to keep them from doing any damage. Then you get the ball back. The Packers get the ball. Aaron Jones gets a nice screen, picks up a first down. Then he has another nice long run going on the very next snap, and he fumbles it away to the Rams, a rare Aaron Jones fumble. Although he did fumble one last year and we know he had one in the playoffs a couple years ago too. So just, there's never an opportune time for a fumble, but Aaron Jones just frustratingly enough on a, on a day where he carried the ball well, again, moved into a seventh overall in the touchdown list in Packers history, ends up giving up the ball, coughing it up and the Rams get the ball back. Now the Rams nearly fumbled it back they rule the runner down by contact on the, the next couple snaps there. And they do get into field goal range, but their kicker missed the field goal. So they miss another field goal. So there's some really good opposing kicker vibes at Lambeau this year. This, this is at least the second, if not the third time that an opposing kicker has missed a field goal at Lambeau against the Packers. So we'll take that kind of luck all season long. However, it's going to happen. Packers end up not giving up any points there. Then they get the ball back. They get a nice long completion to Luke Musgrave who again is open but the way the ball is thrown this is it's just a carbon copy of the same thing that we've seen so many times this season. Love finds Musgrave, overthrows him, Musgrave catches the ball, falls backwards and he's down. Can't get any additional yards. He has yet to catch a ball with his feet under him and we're not seeing this Luke Musgrave magic that we were promised in training camp and that we saw all the preseason. Packers end up not having uh not being able to punch it in. Jordan Love gets tripped up trying to run on third down, can't pick up the first down. They settle for a field goal. And I tweeted out at that point that it is the sick joke. We can't get the Love hitting Musgrave in stride, Musgrave catching the ball, number two, and number three still having his feet with with an opportunity to run. Well, wait for it. As obviously those of you who watched the game know, there was a lot of atonement to come. So the fourth quarter was a really nice cherry on top, the capper to this game. So the Rams drive that started late in the third quarter uh, ends up a fourth and one to start the fourth quarter. And Colby Wooden gets a big stuff, stops the fourth down. And it's a big, big play for the Packers defense. They get the ball back and they unfortunately are not able to do anything with it. But it was a huge play, big effort, big play by the defense. They played hard all day long. Nobody quit. Everybody tried hard. The offense tried hard. The offensive line, the defense, everybody had good energy. Everybody was playing hard. Everybody was trying to win. There was a lot of talk about whether this Packers team was going to start to fold it up. They lost four in a row, two and five. Things not looking great. You trade away Russell Douglas last week. One of the heart and souls of the defense. What's going to happen? This Packers defense stepped up and had a great day. Obviously only gave up three points. So the Packers don't do anything with the ball. On the Rams' next possession... Jair Alexander, who had a rough first half, gave up some passes, has been dealing with the back issue, finally makes a play, gets his hand on a pass, tips it up in the air, and Anthony Johnson back at safety, who is in for Rudy Ford, makes the interception, gets gets the pick off the tip for his first NFL interception. Maybe a a sign of things to come, hopefully, for Johnson being in the right place, being instinctual, playing with fire, and it was just a nice thing to see. So Johnson gets the interception, gets the turnover, Packers get the ball back and on a third and 1, uh, AJ Dillon unfortunately can't convert it to keep the drive going. Tried to eke outside, couldn't make it. Packers add another field goal. At this point, it's 13 to 3. Packers get another stop on defense, right? They had they had their way all day long with Rippon. He was struggling obviously as as a young quarterback. Will, the Rams are also a struggling team. You know, they they came in with only two wins as well, and it was it was kind of bad on bad. Rams against Packers, who's you know, it was almost like, you know, who who wants the better draft pick or whatever, whatever you want to throw in there. It was two bad teams, right? So then the Packers end up getting the ball back. They're driving down. And finally, we see the culmination of two things I mentioned earlier in the show. You get the deep ball to Christian Watson. Now, it was a 37-yard pass. It was completed. Christian Watson made a great play on the ball. Again, the ball is not in the right spot. Christian beats his man. Love doesn't throw the ball early. He throws it late. It's a little bit short. Watson goes up, catches the ball, comes down, and ends up getting shaken up on the play. He ended up having a back, a chest injury, and, and was evaluated for a possible concussion afterwards. So it just seems like whenever Christian Watson does anything, we all have to hold our breath and make sure that he's he's going to be okay and he's going to be healthy because he's had a lot of nicks and bruises and, and injuries and all that kind of stuff. He had a concussion last year that he dealt with. I think he got that in the Bills game. So this is just it's something that is hard when they happen over and over and over again. He appeared to be okay after the game, but you never know. We'll have to see how things look when they get back to practice this week. He's another one that we'll have to keep an eye on, but makes a big play, right? And then he exits the game, but then Jordan Love finally hits Luke Musgrave in stride over the middle. He's actually able to keep his feet, runs right past the defender and into the end zone to put the Packers up 20-3, to which would end up being your final score. These are the kind of building blocks that the Packers really need to hold on to, hang on to, build off of, this is what you want to take into 2024. Hey, we can run this. This guy can do this. We've seen him do this. Now we know what the skill set is. You run some plays, you get some more opportunities for these players to do these things that you see them do in games that you know that they can do. When Luke Musgrave gets the ball in space, he's tough to tackle. He's got some speed. That's what you want. They haven't been able to take advantage of that because every ball that's been thrown to him has been high over his head, not able to to run with it, not able to do anything with it. Finally, we get a nice pretty ball over the middle and we get a tight end touchdown. His first, Musgrave's first touchdown in his NFL career as well. So big day for him and the Packers go up 20-3 to and again that would be your final score. The Rams have a fourth and two. You get a ball that's tipped. Carrington Valentine unfortunately can't come down with it. They Turn, over, turn the ball over on downs, the Packers end up running out the clock. And they're now three and five. So Carrington Valentine had himself a great day. And again, yes, it's ripping at quarterback. And how would he have played if it was Matthew Stafford at quarterback? Well, you 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 play what's in front of you. And Valentine said the right things afterwards. His attitude was good. He's not afraid of the moment. And he's going to keep trying. And he's going to keep playing hard. He had three defense uh, passes defensed, which led the Packers secondary. Had a very good day after the training camp and we were hoping he might be a player for them. But I think, again, this is the kind of thing that can build some confidence. Love to Watson. Does this help them shake off the rust and get this thing going and we start to see this better? You know, if Love can just throw the ball a few steps sooner and let Christian catch the ball in stride and let him just do the rest with his legs, I think some great things can happen. Instead of having to make everything a contested ball and leaving your receiver hanging out there in midair to get hit, pushed, punched fall on the ball whatever it be luke musgrave does this give him some confidence to say hey i can find some space in this zone get open catch the ball run do my thing all these things can build on each other you just they need more opportunities and this is something that the coaching staff has been saying preaching patience brian gutekunst who spoke earlier in the in the week said listen i told you we're gonna let the young guys play we're gonna let the young guys play and obviously So you send Roswell Douglas away, you know Carrington Valentine's going to get some snaps and he's going to get some opportunities to play, especially with Eric Stokes being on injured reserve and unavailable at corner. So we'll see more of Valentine and we'll see if he can put together another good performance against the Steelers coming up. Now the Steelers, not necessarily world beaters on offense. So this could be another good opportunity for Valentine to stack another good game on top of one that he had against the Rams, right? So I mentioned the penalties. They had eight penalties on the day. It's not what you want to see. It's sloppy. And and some of the calls are questionable, but still, well, I'm not to blame the refs guy. It's just the, pre, the pre-snap penalties are mind-numbing. The holding and all that kind of stuff too, just so frustrating, drive killers. And it just leads to more questions about the coaching and what they work on in practice. Because we keep hearing we have to get back to basics from the coaching staff, from the players, and from outsiders. And yes, that's true, but they're not doing it. They're not getting back to the basics. They're still not doing these things well. They're still making these, these little simple mistakes. And it's the same coaching staff. It's still Matt LaFleur and his staff. So how do you fix that? How do you instill better when this is what's been happening for weeks? How is it that you fix that when when you're halfway through the season and these things continue going on? What are you gonna do differently? And I guess we'll see what Matt LaFleur and his staff end up doing. Now that they won a game, I think, you know, it's it's cause for hope. I don't think the Packers are a playoff team. I don't think they're going to push for the division or they're not any more of a formidable opponent than they were coming into this game. Although they did win and they are one win better than they were last week. But I do think that this builds on, hey, we won a game because we got our stuff together in the second half and we didn't make some of those mistakes that we made in the first half. And your messaging needs to be that. Matt LaFleur after the game told the team, remember what it took to get here. Remember what it took all week for us to get to this point to win a football game. These players need to remember this. And this is part of that learning and that experience that they have to take in to say, hey, when you're in a rough moment in a game, hey, what did we do in the Rams game? What, what kind of changes did we make? What kind, of up de- you know, what kind of adjustments did we make? What kind of things did we talk about and, and did we work on and did we focus on to try to get ourselves in a better spot and win a game? These Jordan Love, some of these throws are just the timing and the placement. And, and there's been some talk about his accuracy. Love's numbers in this game were actually pretty good. He had a pretty good day, no interceptions on the day. They're just the the timing and the placement. And again, I don't know that that's something that you're gonna you're gonna the timing you can certainly you're certainly fix. I think placement is that's that's just throwing the ball. I, I don't know that his mechanics are all out of whack. I, I think sometimes he just needs to let it rip. Just let it rip. When you see the, the player open, just, just throw the ball. Let your receiver make a play, right? And he's still he's still growing. There's still time. The Packers, I can tell you right now, they have not given up on Jordan Love. They don't want to take a quarterback in the 2024 draft, okay? For those who wanted the Packers to lose this game and continue losing because, my God, if you win too many games, you're not going to get a quarterback. There's so many So many issues with that. But I can tell you right now, Jordan Love is going to get the remaining nine games, And all every minute of every night, every of the one of those nine games to show us and show his coaching staff what he can do and what he's made of. And I think some of those things can get worked out as long as these receivers are healthy and they're available. Dontavian Wicks has really emerged as a 1A on this team. If you say Romeo Dobbs is your one, is your number one wide receiver, sometimes Wicks seems like he's that guy, he's very reliable. He's made some great plays. Yes, he had the weird fumble, but it was weird. It was a really weird fumble. He's become somebody that they can throw to on third and long. They can count on to be smart, get out of bounds, be in the right spot, pick up the yards. That's what you want to see. That's why he was drafted. And now why he's playing is to get him the experience and the time to develop into something that the Packers can count on in 24 and beyond with him as as a receiver, right? But Jordan Love, just let it fly. Don't think so much, you know, do the, just do the thing because he's got the arm. He's making the sidearm throws. And sometimes it just, it makes me nervous when he tries to sneak balls in there and and just don't get too cute and too savvy. Don't let, don't end up getting picked sixth or any of that kind of stuff. Just let's, let's not have that. Let's not have that. But you've got to play instinctual and Jordan loves instincts. Just need to take over. Hopefully this game was something that gave him a little bit more confidence that he can do that, right? The running game. 184 total yards for the Green Bay Packers on the ground. Again, I told you Aaron, Aaron Jones got 20 touches. Only seven of those yards were Jordan Love scrambles. So that's, those are legit running yards. The Packers ran the football well. Aaron Jones ran well. A.J. Dillon had some nice runs too. Ran with some power. The offensive line opened up some holes. They weren't getting killed up front. And again, this is still a Rams front that's got Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald had a sack on the day, and he he won plenty of matchups in this game too. He was a disruptor plenty of times. It wasn't like he was an, an, a zero. He was there, and he played, and, and he was hard. He was tough. And the Packers offensive line handled it for the most part. You know, I, I go back to, to LaFleur saying he was going to turn Aaron Jones loose. while well, we all rolled our eyes and said, okay, we've heard this this before. And we know at the, end of the time, at the end of the day, you don't really do it. 20 carries. That'll get it done. And he caught some balls as well. So if he's healthy enough and can, the Packers need to lean on him. This offense can do some things and do good things when the ball is in his hands. And it was nice to see him in the goal line get that first handoff. That's who you want. Setting the tone and getting in the end zone and scoring. The guy that can. The guy that can get slippery, evade some tacklers, get in the end zone, score some points. That's what Jones did. And that was great to see. Now, again, the Packers' defense benefited from no Stafford. But Rippon's life was really tough. And the Packers made the plays that were in front of them. You're supposed to beat a team like the Rams with their starting quarterback out by a decent margin. 20-3, to I think that's getting the job done. So I'm going to tip my cap to the Packers' defense. And that includes every player on defense and all the coaches and, yes, even the coordinator. Joe Barry. Keyshawn Nixon had a good game. Already talked about Jair Alexander. Talked about Carrington Valentine. I gotta give some props to Jonathan Owens, who I have been absolutely ch- just trashing on the past couple of weeks. Has the strip sack. That's a big play. He made that play. He he made that happen. So cheers to Jonathan Owens for that. The defensive line stepped up. They only allowed three points in a pretty good day, you know, level of competition aside. Like I said, I think Joe Barry's job has to be safe for at least another week. And obviously I'm kidding when I say that. Joe Barry's job is safe for this entire season, but You know, the defense has not been the biggest problem on this team. They just haven't. And they played great. You only only gave up three points. The Packers continue to be one of the the best defenses in the NFL on the opening drive, not giving up a lot of points. They just haven't scored much. And that's been a lot of the reason why they haven't won some of the games that they had. But if you think about it in terms of, you know, they had a lead against the Raiders, they had a lead against the Broncos, and they had the game won against the Falcons. This could be very easily a five and two versus a two and five or a three and five, right? So that's where this Packers team is at. You are what your record says, but the the team is playing hard. They've, you know, they've shown no signs of quitting. They all played hard. They were excited after the game to get the victory. They were, they were happy. They were congratulating each other when there were mistakes made. Players were huddling on the sideline, picking each other up, saying, hey, with Wicks, it's all good. We'll get it back for you. We're going to take care of it, right? And Wicks came back and made some plays. That's the nice thing about these young players is they don't know, hey, I, I, I'm i just I'm just going to, I'm having a bad game. I'm just going to quit. They're young. They're going to go back out there and bust their tail and do what they can to make a play. They're not going to get into this like, oh, we're down. You know, the Packers weren't down today, but oh, we're down by two possessions. Forget it. That's Veterans legitimately do that kind of stuff. And I think the Packers being young these are things that the Packers will can, can avoid, is they don't know better than to, to go out there and not quit and try to go out and win a game. It's what helped them win the Saints game. They, were, they scored all their points in the fourth quarter, and they ended up coming back and winning that game. Defense held, and the offense scored enough points to overtake the Saints, and thank goodness for whatever force of nature helped the Saints miss a field goal at the end of that game. But this team is not quitting, and I don't think they came in thinking, are we or are we not going to quit this season? I think this team is still playing hard. They're listening to the messaging from the coaching. They're still playing the best that they can. But everything has got to improve. And, and, and the coaching staff has got to expect more from these players. These penalties have got to cut down. It just simply has to happen. There's so much laundry on the field with this team. And I get that they're young, but the pre-snap stuff is all avoidable. It's avoidable. You've got to know where to line up. You gotta know what the snap is. Jaden Reed is on the outside. There is no need to worry about the cadence. Just look at the ball. You don't have to worry about anything other than did the ball move? Is it being snapped? If the answer is no, don't move your feet or your legs. Stand still. These penalties come at the worst time. It always seems like it's on second and four, second and five, and now you make it third and 10, third and nine, and those are just not good odds for the Packers. They just haven't done well in those long down and distance type scenarios. So I want to see coaching get this cleaned up and help improve this over time. you got a really tough road game coming up here in Pittsburgh. And I say tough, not because the Steelers are the best team in football. They're five and three. They just beat the Titans on Thursday night football last week. But this is a tough place to play. The Packers don't go there very often. They have a terrible history there. They've never won in Pittsburgh as long as I've been following this team. And it's Mike Tomlin and his team, and they've got a really good defense. It's Kenny Pickett at quarterback for the Steelers, and I think the Packers' defense has has an advantage against the Steelers' offense. If they can make some plays and force some turnovers, I think there's a legitimate chance the Packers do some damage in this game. It's the Steelers' defense that I think is going to pose the biggest challenge for the Packers' offense. We're going to get a much better barometer for how the Packers' offense is doing and, and if they can stack a good game on top of another one in this game. If you do this against the Steelers on the road in Pittsburgh, now you're going to convince some people that there's a a bright future on this team. Even if the Packers don't end up winning a lot of games this year, we want to see signs that they can do things consistently and well, right? Steelers defense, just to name a few of their, their players, Joey Porter Jr., Minka Fitzpatrick, Keanu Neal. That's your secondary you got former Packer Montrevious Adams up front. He's having a good season. Obviously, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith at linebacker. Those guys are active. They're going to get after the quarterback. The offensive line is going to get a workout. And we'll see if it's going to be Yash again or if it's going to be Rasheed Walker at left tackle and what they do inside at guard. I'm assuming it'll be the same lineup. And they're going to get tested. This is going to be a tough game for the Packers. But if they go out and they get a big road victory in Pittsburgh... After beating the Rams like they should have at home, again, I I don't know that that necessarily changes the total trajectory of this team this season, but that is a quality win. And I obviously haven't seen the game play out, but I'm going to just tell you right now, if the Packers beat the Steelers (laughs) next week, I think that ends up being, may end up being their best win of the season. I know that the week one game against the Bears was pretty, and there was a lot of points scored and they looked really good doing it, but the Steelers are a better team and it's on the road. So, you know, it's a longer road trip. So all those things put together, I think this has a chance to be a Packer, a really big Packers win if they can pull it off. Now, if they don't, let's see how it looks. Again, if it's a close game, they stay competitive and Pittsburgh just makes a few more plays. Okay, you tip your cap. The Steelers are a better team. That's going to happen. But if they get blown out and make a bunch of mistakes and they look like they did against the Broncos and the Raiders and just shoot themselves in the foot and walk away losers because they couldn't get their stuff together. That's not going to look good. It's, gonna, it's not going to bode well. And that's the inconsistency that's going to have us asking questions and wondering, what, how is this team doing and what direction are they headed? It's hard to know when it's up, down, up, down every other week. But I think the Packers need to go out trying to win a game. They need to go out trying to play well. And these young players want to do that. You heard again, Carrington Valentine afterwards. I'm here. I watch film. I studied. Keyshawn Nixon, we know is going to play hard. Jair is doing everything that he can with that bad back. He's he's giving it his best effort. Hopefully, the Packers might see Rudy Ford come back, which would be helpful to have back there at safety. And then maybe maybe you give Anthony Johnson the start, and you let Jonathan Owens just play special teams, and you take him off the field at safety where he hasn't been very good. Did make a big play, had the strip sack in this game. But put your best players out there. Give these young guys a chance to play. Give them a chance to learn. You might find that, that your best playmakers have been sitting on the bench this whole time. They've been sitting on the sideline. So let's give them a chance to do this. I said I would mention the draft pick crowd. I saw a few tweets about this. There were legitimately people upset that the Packers won this game because they didn't think Jordan Love played too particularly well. And so you won a game and your quarterback didn't play particularly well. So, well, we hurt our chances of getting a top draft pick and we still don't know if this quarterback is any good. Man, that is some misguided action. That's some very misguided action right there. First of all, Jordan Love played better than he didn't. He missed on some throws. There isn't a, you know, you're not going to see a perfect quarterback rating from a quarterback every single week. There are plenty of times when Aaron Rodgers won games for the Packers and he looked looked terrible doing it and it was ugly for him, but the Packers still won the game. So you've got that's why you've got two sides of the ball. That's why you've got eleven guys out there. It's not always on the quarterback. I get they touch the ball on every play, and they're the one that determine if the ball gets gets placed to the running back correctly or gets thrown into a safe spot to their receiver. Totally get that. But the Packers won a game here, and Jordan Love again didn't lose it for them. So you've got to look at at the signs of progress here, because I can tell you, Brian Gutekunst and Matt Lafleur, they want Jordan Love to be the answer. I still think they think he can be that. They're going to give him every opportunity to to answer those questions this season. The evaluation is not over. So don't don't waste your time hoping that the Packers lose a bunch of games and end up needing to pick another quarterback because that means you're tearing it down again. People are going to get fired. You're going to have a new head coach, a new coaching staff. And some people are like, yes, good, great. That's what we want. We got to get Matt LaFleur out here. We got to get Joe Barry out of here. I want to get Brian Gutekunst out of here. Mark Murphy's retiring in two years. I want to change it all. I want a new quarterback. I want to just... Start over. That's how teams go from worst to first. No, that's not a good formula. Worst to first is is not. The Rams were able to turn it around pretty quickly. The Niners were able to turn it around pretty quickly. But you've got to have a good draft and develop plan and young players to bring up through the whole thing. If you keep changing your mind and keep changing the key positions, quarterback, defense, defensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff, it takes time for all those things to build the momentum back up. It's not going to just fix itself after one year. What you're saying is, is that you don't trust the general manager to hit on enough of his mid-round and late-round picks to help this young team get better next year, to add better players in those mid-rounds that can actually help this team. Okay, that's fine. Be dubious. But don't cheer for the Packers' demise because you want to be that team for once that's got all these high picks. There's plenty of times when good GMs don't hit they don't make the right pick and if we're looking at Brian Gutekunst he's missed on quite a few players he's hit on somebody's missed on some too we all know about the third round thing right he picked Josh Myers over Creed Humphrey do you want to risk something like that happening now, I don't think Goody does that on purpose but this could end up being a situation where you, you draft the wrong guy the draft process is not perfect scouting is not perfect you can have all of your homework done on a player, interview them and say, hey, we got a solid character, smart player. They're good on the field and they just get on on the NFL field. And for whatever reason, it's deer in the headlights and you never saw it coming. And that's not at all. You would have had no way of knowing and 30 other teams would have made the same pick if they had your your choice. And the player just didn't pan out. You can't count on that to be your answer. You want your answer to be what you have right now. And what you have right now is Jordan Love Wicks, Dobbs, Watson, Musgrave, a young offensive line. The Packers are going to have some pretty good draft capital. Okay, because I think they're going to finish middle to, to lower to, to lower middle as far as their record goes. And so I think they're going to they're going to be picking within the top 15. They may even be picking within the top 10. And that is plenty, plenty good to replenish. So they don't end up getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Everybody wants Marvin Harrison Jr., right? news flash. if you're picking uh, above fifth, you're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. And the Packers are not going to be picking fifth. In fact, right now, they're based on draft order with nine games to go. So plenty can happen. The Packers would pick six. So it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to get that player anyway. And let's be honest, right? My little tongue-in-cheek joke here, he's a receiver and you're trusting Brian Gutekunst and the Packers general manager to draft a wide receiver in the first round, as obvious as that pick should be, as clearly as you run Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name up to the podium when it's time to make that pick, you still trust Brian Gutekunst not to overthink it or end up going with somebody that nobody saw coming. I'm I'm just saying, look at the trends, look at the trends. But for a week, the Packers looked good, in a game that they should have. They won a game that they were supposed to by multiple possessions. At, at the end of the day, you can you can get into semantics and talk about how pretty it was or how ugly it was, but they took care of business. They got the victory and that's what we should focus on. So at this point right now, it's on to Pittsburgh. A, you know, an, an a unfamiliar AFC opponent. Packers have not played the Steelers since two years ago when they hosted Pittsburgh and they beat them at Lambeau Field. They returned to Heinz Field. They played last play there in 2017 in a game where Aaron Rodgers was not able to play because he was healing up from a collarbone injury. It was Brett Hundley on a Sunday night football, and the Packers fell out fell just a bit short and weren't able to beat the Steelers. The last time they were there prior to that was that thriller in 2009 when Aaron Rodgers did play that came down to the last play of the game. The Packers had the game essentially won and ended up giving a touchdown on the last play and, and lose to Big Ben and the Steelers. So we'll see what the Packers can do this time. Again, like I said, go out there and just play all out. Just let it hang and go play. Don't overthink it. Let the ball let the ball rip. Do good things. The coaches have to expect more from these players. They've got to clean it up. They've got to play a solid game. If they can come out of it with fewer penalties, and if, if you're going to lose a game, let it be because the other guys just made a few more plays than you did. Don't Don't let it be because you shot yourself in the foot too many times, and you made it impossible for yourself to come back or score points or whatever it be that befuddled your team. But for now, it's a Victory Monday edition of the Quick Slants podcast. The Packers improved to three and five. They get a win over the Rams, and that's what we are going to roll with. So thanks, everybody, for rolling along with me on this edition of the Quick Slants podcast. You can also catch my work. I do the Thursday Packaday podcast with Mark Eckel. Uh, Every Thursday, so check that out later this week, where I'll give my game pick and tell you who I think is going to win this game. I said I wouldn't pick the Packers until they won a game, so let's see if I do pick them to beat the Steelers or not. In the meantime, everybody else, send me your notes, your thoughts on the show. Anything else you want to talk about? You can find me on X slash Twitter. I'm at Jason Perone. You can find Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. Hope everybody's week is off to a great start as we head into what is probably to be Christmas music on the radio season, and it's getting a little chilly wherever it's at. So I hope everybody's staying warm. Take care of yourself and each other. And as always, Go Pack Off play action, back to the road, Prescott, with time, Right rifles it over the ball with the hands of intercepted! intercepted. Jair Alexander to the 20, cutting left, 25-30. He's got an escort to the 35-40. Hurdles a defender across the 50, and in the Dallas territory.